Before I get into my message today, we had uh, several, several, I say a nice large group of women went down to a conference a little while ago. God did some amazing things. We heard from a few of them in the first service. I want to invite now some of the other ones to come on up and share what God did in them as well and just uh, be encouraged. So first of all, I'll let Kim go. <laughs> so go ahead. totally still processing all of the amazing moves of God that happened during this conference. Um, Personally, I was freed from intimidation, and I reclaimed a voice that I didn't even know I had lost. Um, And I was filled with this intense desire to come home and be an encourager to this church and fellow believers. Um, Every person in this room was created for a purpose with divine gifts. We're either using those gifts to further the kingdom, empower ourselves, or neglecting them altogether. If you don't know what those gifts are, then talk to the church because they can help you figure those out. But today, I'll tell you that you are all missionaries in your circle of influence. So we should be walking out that mission field daily, speaking the truth in love to our communities all the time. Maybe you're saying like, oh, that's not for me. I'm not that type of person. I was that person two weeks ago. Like me to be on the stage is a big thing. So this is all through Christ who strengthens me. Like (laughs) totally. (laughs) Um, It is time that we are no longer silent spectators. God doesn't care if you've been a believer for 20 years or 20 minutes. Our mission is the same. We are fighting battles that were assigned to our, our children are fighting battles that were assigned to us, church. And it's time that we stand up and step into that kingdom authority and find our voice to fight those. Um, We, all through history, there are people who suffered horrendous persecutions for things they believe in. And their faith remained unshakable, unshakable. Most of Western culture would think that that can't happen here, but I'm here to tell you, church, that is happening now. It is happening, and our beliefs are being challenged. We can no longer pray without action. We have to step up and start doing things to fulfill those prayers. The hope that the Bible gives us is what it says about persecution, hardships, troubles. It says we are not just conquerors. We are more than conquerors, church, more than conquerors. But we can't conquer anything armed up, ready for battle, sitting on our couches. We actually have to be out there fighting to make things happen. So this is what the Holy Spirit laid on me to come home with, a challenge for the church to unite and rise up into that kingdom authority and see how God shows up in our communities. See how God shows up in our families, our nation. Be persistent in this. Don't stop and see how God shows up, church. Hi, my name is Elizabeth. Uh, A couple years ago, my cousin Carmen passed away and I fell into addiction, self-harm, and I was always running away. The Her Voice movement really broke those strongholds on me. I was always in a bad place, and I got to do, 
street evangelism. I got to pray over people. I feel like I planted so many seeds in people, and it was just so powerful. I got my prayer language, and I felt so moved by this conference. Uh, I encourage all of you to go. Um, before this, I tried to take my life. I was in a really dark place. Uh, and those strongholds were just broken on me. I felt those chains leave me. And it's just so moving now to feel the relief of God. It's so moving to know that he's here. Amen. Good job. God is moving. God is doing a good work. And um, just as Kim was saying that God has, yeah, commissioned and called us. Actually, she just preached my message. But um, <laughs> but we war not as the world wars. For our, our battles, not against flesh and blood, so we're not going to war as the world wars, but we come against the principalities and the powers of the dark world through prayer and the power of the Holy Spirit. So as we get into the message, which is, I've titled it Kingdom Privilege. But uh, first in review, first week we talked about what Jesus Christ uh, did on the cross. He chose to die. He gave himself up. He didn't have to. Um, but he willingly, willingly let himself die on that cross, and he paid for our sins, paid for our wrongdoings, not just so that our sins would be forgiven, but also so that we would be set free of sin, so that we would no longer have to live under the weight of that any, anymore. And when we accept Jesus as our Savior, he gives us a new identity. We are made a new creation, a new creature, it actually says. And we are now sons and daughters. And to no longer think of ourselves as the old creature or labeled sinner. But when we accept Jesus Christ, we are now to walk in the new identity that he gives us as a son and a daughter. And then because we are sons and daughters, in the next week we talked about, since we've been made a new creation, we start, should start living and looking like that new creation. But the, the shortcoming in that that we often fall into is like, okay, we've been given this new identity that God has started that good work in me. Now I have to make myself good. I have to make myself perfect, which is not how it works because we can't make ourselves good. Try as we might, we might be able to do it for a short amount of time, but eventually we will stumble and we will fail. And if we're doing it in our own might and own power, we will feel that condemnation that I failed. But... If we let Jesus clean us and make us like him, there's grace, and there's his goodness, and there's, there's his mercy. And he cleans us, like if you remember the, the pressure washer uh, analogy, he, he cleans us gently. And then also we talked about last week that he also wants us to, to think differently. Not to think as the world thinks and not to pursue what the world pursues because those things are fading away and temporal. But he wants us to set our sights higher. He wants us to set our sights on him and the things that are eternal. Remember we posed the question last week, what do you think Jesus thought about when he walked the earth? Do you think he thought about earthly success 
earthly prosperity, earthly gain? Do you think he thought about conquering the, the kingdoms of the world? No. Even though Satan offered him all the kingdoms of the world, he said, I will give you all of this if you bow down to me. And Jesus said, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm supposed to worship God alone. So Jesus' mind was not set on this world. His mind was set on the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of heaven coming to earth and its purposes. Jesus says that he desires all men to come to know him. And elsewhere, I can't remember exactly the scripture reference, but it says he actually takes no delight in the destruction of evil men. Will there be destruction of evil men? Yes, but he takes no delight in it. He wants everybody to come to repentance and the knowledge of who he is and how good he is. So that was all preamble. Let's pray before we actually get into the message today. Let's just ask God to come and speak to us. So Lord God, I ask that you would, that you would just prepare our hearts right now, Lord God. Soften our hearts to you. Let our Hearts receive, let our minds hear, Lord God, what you want to speak, what you want to do today, so that we can walk here changed, so that we can walk here transformed by the power of your presence, Lord God, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so Jesus' greatest desire is to see his kingdom come on earth, and his plan for that, he has a plan for it, to bring his kingdom here on earth. His plan is perfect. He has a perfect plan to bring that about, to bring that into actuality. Do you know that his plan involves us? His plan involves us. And we may think, how is that possible? If his plan is perfect, I hope every one of you would be on the same page as me this morning that would say, I'm not perfect. I know in the first week I made a statement that I said, I am not a sinner. That doesn't mean I'm perfect. <laughs> that means I'm a son. I'm, an, I'm a son of Jesus Christ, but I'm still walking through that process. So God's got a perfect plan. How can me being imperfect be part of that perfect plan? We sometimes make many excuses of why we can't be used by God as well many uh, statements of why we're not good enough at this or, or that or whatever it may be. I think many of you would probably um, say, if I was to ask you, well, who do you think the top five amazing faith-filled, super, super great people of the Bible are? I think one of them would probably be Moses. Yeah? We all think of, you know, the miraculous things that God did through Moses. You know, the, the splitting of the, the Red Sea and, and striking the, the rock and the water coming out and, and uh, all the other th- amazing signs that God did through Moses. But the, do you know that Moses was a man of little faith to begin with? He actually, like, argued with God as to why he shouldn't be the one to do what God was calling him to do. In Exodus 4, he actually has this uh, conversation with God through the burning bush, and he's trying to basically dissuade God from um, telling him to go and set the captives free. But in verse 10 of chapter 4, it says, But Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant. 
but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Moses was a stutterer. He had a hard time with words. And so he's like, uh, God, do you know who you're talking to here? <laughs> like, I'm not very good talking. Like, wh- who are you talking to? Says, then the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I? Is it not I, the Lord? Now, therefore, go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. God was telling Moses, Moses, wake up. I made you. <laughs> I know exactly who you are. I know you better than you know yourself. I know your strengths. I know your weaknesses. I also know who I am. And I know that I am the all-powerful God who can speak through you, through your inadequacy. So that's not an excuse. I told you you can go, therefore you should go. Sometimes maybe we think, especially, I love Liz coming up here and speaking. So awesome to see young people on fire for God speaking truth. And not looking at your youth as a handicap. Being young is not a handicap. God can use anybody at any age at any time. Jeremiah, in Jeremiah 1, 4 through 8 says, Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then said I... Then I said, Ah, Lord, behold, I do not know how to speak. There it is again. I I don't know how to speak. I don't know how to do this. For I am only a youth. There's another excuse. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am only a youth. For to all to whom I sent you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Don't disqualify yourself if Jesus has called you. I've heard it said this way. Jesus doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. So if you're called, you're automatically qualified. By his grace and by his power. And he will give you the ability that you feel that you lack to do what he is calling you to do. See, Jesus chooses imperfect people. I know because, first and foremost, I'm a very imperfect person. (laughs) Have been in the past, continue to be so, although I believe that I'm a little less imperfect than I used to be because God is doing a good work in me, amen? Just like he's doing a good work in you. But Jesus chooses imperfect people. In Mark 3, 13 through 15, we see this as, Jesus chooses his disciples and he says, he went up on the mountain and he called to him those who he desired. And they came to him. So I want you just to know that he desires you. Jesus desires you. It says, and he appointed the 12 whom he also named apostles so that they might be with him and he might send them out to preach and to have authority to cast out demons. That's pretty cool. But I want you to catch what he first says about why he first called them to be apostles. What's the first reason that you can see up there? To be with him. 
That's his first and foremost desire, is to be with us. And then he sends us out to do the things he's calling, calling us to do, even though we're imperfect. See, the, the disciples, the, the 12, we, we may read through the Gospels and think they're pretty cool guys, but if you read through and you look closely, these guys were rough dudes. They were imperfect people that had a lot of issues. They were very prideful. If you look through some of the conversations that they have, they're, they're pitting each other, pitting themselves against each other. Like, I'm better than you. I mean, John even, throughout the, the gospel of John, he says, to the uh, disciple whom Jesus loved. <laughs> like, uh, he loves me more than the rest of you guys. So they were very prideful. They bickered amongst themselves. They quarreled about who is the greatest disciple, who was going to sit at Jesus' right hand in heaven. They were also very fearful. They all scattered when Jesus was arrested. They all scattered. Those who said they would die with him then left him. And Peter flat out denied that he even knew him. Full of fear. Yet these are the people that Jesus chose. Why? Surely he could have found somebody better, somebody more qualified, somebody more talent, more faith, more courage. But no, he chose these men. And it was by these that God started his church and started the greatest move that is still continuing today of God. So if you find yourself still messing up, maybe not being as perfect as you think you should be, give yourself some grace. Give yourself the grace that God gives you. Again, I think we said that Satan likes to condemn us when we mess up. Jesus likes to pick us up when we mess up. Saying, come on, we can do this together. Remember, us getting good, us getting righteous, us getting clean is not on us. It's on God. But we have to surrender to him and to him letting him clean us up. Remember Philippians 1.6 that says, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So he will bring it to completion. There will be a point where you will be made just like him. Are we there yet? No. But we should desire that, which means that we shouldn't just be like, well, I'm an imperfect person. I mess up, but it's okay. I'll just continue to mess up and do what I want. Is that okay? No, I think we talked about that a couple weeks ago, that sin is ugly. God doesn't like sin, but it's not on us to clean it up. It's on Jesus, but we need to surrender to him to clean us up. We can't be like, no, God, I don't want you to deal with that. I'm going to do things my way. That's, that's pride. And God can't, can't work with us, can't use us. But if we surrender to him, he can clean us up. And even in the process of him cleaning us up, he will use us. He's like, oh, it's okay if you're not perfect. It's all about our heart. Where is our heart at? Is it surrendered, submitted? Or is it prideful saying, God, I want to I do things my way. I think, we, I think remember we, we said this, Jesus is not a secret sauce that we just pour on top of our life and try to make it better our current life better. No, Jesus is a way of life that we submit and we surrender to. 
So it does matter because Jesus cares about intimacy with us more than us doing things for him, which he doesn't really need our help anyway, if you think about it. He's an all-powerful God. He can do it all on his own, so he doesn't need our help. But he really desires for us to have a relationship with him. I want you to see in this passage here of John 15, 1 through 11, says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, and it may, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. And you being clean, that's Jesus declaring you righteous, declaring you a righteous son and daughter. Not that your life is perfect, but he's declared you clean. So you're clean in that respect. Um, so abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my, word, my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that, you're, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As a Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Hope you caught that in those 11 verses. Jesus uses the word abide 10 times. He cares deeply about that, about us remaining in him, because it's the power of his presence that does the work. And so we need to remain in his presence. So I'm hoping you guys have kind of caught the theme behind the theme these last few weeks, which is this. Spend time with Jesus. <laughs> Spend time in his presence. And it doesn't have to look the same, doesn't have to be the same, doesn't have to be in the same location all the time. It could be in your bedroom. It could be in your car. It could be while you're at work. It could be while you're walking through, I actually like walking through the woods, talking to God. <laughs> but wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you can invite Jesus to come be with you. Wherever it is, whatever you're doing, and you can spend time with God at any point in time. Because his greatest desire is to abide with us and us to abide with him. So, with that being said, why does you know us being a very flawed and imperfect people. Why does God choose imperfect people to bring about his perfect plan? It seems weird. I wouldn't choose, if I was doing it, if I was drawing it up, I would not choose imperfect people to bring about a perfect plan. If I was drawing it up, I would look for the most talented. I would look for the most qualified, but that's not God. So why does he choose us? Wouldn't it be easier for him, more efficient, less messy, if he just did it on himself, I mean, he's God, right? All powerful. I mean, it, it just, it would go smoother, right? Sometimes I do that with my, no, just let me do it, <laughs> right? How many parents have ever done that? Okay. 
No, just let me do it. You're making a mess of it. See, God, he wants to do things with his kids. He enjoys doing things with his kids. I enjoy doing things with my kids. Most things. Some things I'm like, no. (laughs) But it's more enjoyable when I have them around me. We just went on a trip to Yellowstone uh, a few weeks ago. And we got to see some amazing things. Got to see a lot of cool animals. Got to see the geysers and, and all these awesome things. And it was made more enjoyable because my kids were with me. It would have been less enjoyable if, if they weren't. There's other things that, that I, I like to do that is made more enjoyable when, when they're there as well. Like um, bike riding or hiking or anything, anything else. It's more enjoyable when my kids are there. Um, a few years ago, I had a, a work conference down in Portland for a few days, and I was just there by myself, and um, after one of the days of training that we had, I decided I, I wanted to do something instead of just sit at the hotel room and be, be bored for the evening. So I went to the Portland Zoo uh, to go you know, do what you do at a zoo, look at all the animals and stuff, and I was walking around looking at all the different exhibits and I come to the tiger exhibit. And how many of like you have gone to the zoo and you've gone to the big cat exhibit? And it's like, where is he? I can't see him. He, they're usually hiding like in the shade or laying down. Or it's like, I, I think I see it. Yeah, I see a tail there. There he is. There. Yeah, I saw, I saw a lion. But uh, this occasion, um, the tiger was out and like he was like strutting around. I was like, whoa, this is cool. I've actually never seen him like walking around before. Usually, so I, I see the tail, but. He was walking around and strutting around. I was like, whoa, this is so cool. And I'm just standing there and I'm watching and, and I'm, I'm thinking, I was like, wow, this is so cool. This is so cool. And I'm just like, hey, look, it's the tiger. It's the tiger. It's the, it's the, it's the tiger. There was nobody to share it with. I was there by myself. And what was a cool moment wasn't that cool anymore because I was alone in it. I didn't have anybody to share it with. Before we went on our, our Yellowstone vacation, we had a lot of preparation um, work to get ready. It's like, I don't know, for vacations, for camping trips especially, there's like a week of preparation, and then there's the camping trip, and then there's like a week of decompressing, right? It's like you need a vacation for the vacation sometimes. Well, we're getting ready, and one of the things that we had to that I wanted to get done was wash our van. And uh, after, you know, the 11, 11 month winter that we've had and the wind and the rain and all the green mildew that was growing on it, I wanted to get it, get it washed. So I get all the things out um, that are necessary. You know, the bucket, the sponges, the soap, the, the hose, and I'm getting it all prepared in the, in the van in the right spot and just about ready to get started when my youngest daughter, Evelyn, comes running around the corner. She's like, Dad, Dad. I was like, yeah. She's like, can I help wash the van? I was like, yeah, sure, sure, you can help wash the van. And a moment later, my, my other daughter, <clears throat> Brielle, comes around the corner. Dad, can I help wash the van too? It's like, sure, yeah. And then my son runs around. Can I help too? I was like, yeah, sure, you can help. And so doing what? a job, a mundane job of washing the van was actually made enjoyable because I was doing it with my kids. And it was really cool 
that they were like, Dad, can I help? Can I help do what you're doing? And so <laughs> we're sitting there and we, we get the, the van washed and, and all cleaned. I say, we, we. Because my kids aren't the, the greatest van washers of all time. And they even admit that. That's okay. And I probably had to go over most of the spots they went over anyway. And did I probably do most of the work? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but it was okay. It was enjoyable. I loved that they wanted to be with me, that they wanted to do that with me. Are we the best at bringing God's kingdom here to earth? No. Does God do most of the work? Yes. Does he want to do it with us anyway? Most definitely so. Most definitely so because he loves spending time with his kids. And bringing kingdom, his kingdom to earth is the most passionate thing that he has. The thing that he's most passionate about is bringing his kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. Here in Grace Harbor as it is in heaven. Here at your workplace as it is in heaven. Here in your home as it is in heaven. God wants his kingdom to come. And he wants to do it with us. His imperfect kids. He's going to bring about his perfect plan. Which is still amazing to me. I, I don't know how. He's God. That just again shows you know, how amazing, how powerful, how perfect he is. That he can bring about something perfect out of something that's imperfect. It just kind of blows my mind. But I'm so grateful that I get the opportunity to do that. I thank him for this opportunity, just to stand up here and be part of his perfect plan through my inadequacies because it's his, his power that is working in me and through me. It was fun to wash that van with my kids, not because they're great van washers, because they desired to be with me and do whatever I was doing. That's what God desires too, is that we desire to be with him and do whatever he is doing. And he is building his kingdom. He is establishing his kingdom here on earth. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, which is the Great Commission. It says, And Jesus came and said to them, meaning the twelve, he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I want you to hear that also first. As a son and daughter, not only is it our privilege, it's our authority. Authority as sons and daughters to help our Heavenly Father bring his kingdom here to earth. It says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. He empowers you to do what he's called you to do. We're coming back to that. Don't disqualify yourself when Jesus has called you. He gives you the tools. He gives you the power. He gives you the courage in that which you need. And then he says, go. 
But he doesn't say go like, you know, I'm kicking you out of the nest. Boop. Either you fly or you fall and you die. <laughs> How does he end that? He ends it by saying this. He ends it by saying this. Go therefore, and at the end he says, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I am with you. Let's go. It's more of a, let's go together. Come on. Let's do this together. It will be great. It'll be fun. Yeah, it might be hard sometimes. There might be some trials along the way. But it's still going to be good. Let's do this together. So it's our privilege and it's our joy to work with our Heavenly Father to bring His kingdom to come here on earth. It's our privilege and joy to work with our Heavenly Father to bring His kingdom to earth. You will find the more that you pursue God, pursue his presence, you will find that it is your joy. Even in the midst of hardship, even in the midst of trial and pain, you will find it's your joy to be with your heavenly father doing whatever he's doing. I'm finding that more and more true every day. And even in the midst of trials and pain, it's not only your joy, it's your peace. God says, my peace surpasses all understanding. So, just to summarize as the worship team comes out here. To be a son or a daughter, to have our lives changed and our minds set on him, to partner with him in bringing his kingdom come, that's our kingdom privilege. It's a privilege as a son and a daughter. It's a privilege to be a son and a daughter of the Most High and to be changed by him, to have our minds renewed by him, to have our eyes set on him, and to have the privilege to build his kingdom according to his perfect plan with him. And ultimately, that's our kingdom reality as his kids. Satan would try to lie to you and say, that's not true. Look at what you've done. And he will try to point out the different things that disqualify you and try to keep you from fulfilling the purposes that God has set before you. But our kingdom reality that I want you, you guys to live from, that's our reality that we are sons and daughters. Believe that. Don't let the enemy lie to you. Don't let him steal that from you. It's our kingdom reality that he is changing us that he is making us like him. Don't let the enemy lie to you and say, just because you fell yesterday and made a mistake yesterday, that that's not happening. It is happening. And it's our kingdom reality that he is changing our minds and our thoughts towards him when we spend time in his presence. And it's our kingdom reality and privilege and joy that we get to build his kingdom here on earth. On earth, in Grace Harbor, as it is in heaven. Amen? Amen. Let's stand. As I said before, Jesus, above all else, desires that you know him and spend time with him. So it first takes that surrender and that commitment to Christ to give your life to him because he gave his life for you. 
So if you are here this morning, if I could just every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to give just that personal invitation to anybody who wants to make that decision, say, I want Jesus to come and to forgive me of my sins, save me of my sins, free me of my sins, and make me more like him. If that's you this morning, you've never made that commitment, or maybe you did at one time, but you want to rededicate your life to him. If that's you, can you just raise your hand so I know who I'm praying with? Is there anybody like that here this morning? Anybody like that? Thank you. I see that hand. Anybody else? I see that hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Come on. Thank you. The great thing about the gospel, it's not like any other religion which says you have to get good to get to God. Jesus is the original one who said, come as you are and let me do the work. So let's pray this prayer together. And these aren't magic words, but if you believe in your heart what you confess with your mouth, you will be saved and you will be forgiven. So let's say this together. Father God, thank you so much for sending your son, Jesus, to die in my place. Jesus, thank you that you chose to die to pay for my sins, to forgive me of my sins, to free me of my sins. Thank you for making me a son, for making me a daughter of Christ. So from this day forward, Lord, I commit my life to you. I want you to be my boss. I want you to be my king. I want you to be my friend. And I want to serve you and be with you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on. That's the best decision you can make. And I want you to live from this day forward as a son and a daughter. Not meaning you're supposed to be perfect, but your identity as son and daughter. And you let our Heavenly Father do the work. Amen. Let's worship as we close. If I could just have the prayer team come on up. If you want prayer for anything, please come boldly. Don't hang back and not get prayed for if you have something you want prayer for. God actually says, come boldly before my throne of grace so that your requests may be made known and that I might meet your needs. And because we are sons and daughters, my kids, they come boldly before me at any moment. So come boldly before your father and ask and he will give to you. So let's worship.